0: On today's show, we're talking about Bruce Bocci throwing a curveball in the batting lineup and moving Josh Young to the three-hole, the Rangers beating the White Sox, and the latest power rankings from Locked On MLB Network. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Tuesday, June 20th. Your Rangers are 45 and 27, alone top the AL West with a five-game lead over those Angels, the largest lead they have had this season. Thank y'all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any. Any single thing below. Before we get into today's episode, this episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, Bruce Bochy did something he has never done as the Rangers manager in the Monday night five to two win over the White Sox. He changed who was hitting in the top three of the order. Actually, he changed who was hitting. Uh, he, he just he changed where Nathaniel Lowe was hitting. That's that's how I should say. It. There have been other people who have hit differently in the top three in the order when Corey Seager was out, um, or the the one game that Nathaniel Lowe sat out. Uh, there was a little bit of shifting in that batting lineup, but for the first time he moved Nathaniel Lowe down to the number five hole and it worked absolutely gangbusters the Rangers were facing a lefty and Nathaniel Lowe is a lefty who does hit lefties well traditionally and uh but Josh Young is a guy who has been absolutely demolishing lefties this year and it it worked to perfection Josh Young went three for five with a solo home run a a pair of runs scored and a just overall really really solid game so far this season josh young has absolutely annihilated lefties a 1050 ops he's hitting 343 with a 378 on base and slugging 671 that is absolutely unreal that is 74 played appearances six of his 15 home runs on the season five of his 14 doubles on the season he has just been absolutely on a tear against those lefties this year and so since it was a bullpen game for the White Sox that's why Bochi said that he decided to make this move because you never know when they're going to pull their starter and if they want to face send another lefty out to face off against these back-to-back lefties in the top of the Rangers order, then he wanted somebody to kind of deter that, and that would be Josh Young, who absolutely annihilates lefties. Last year, Nathaniel Lowe was incredible against lefties. That's why it made sense having back-to-back lefties hitting second and third in this lineup. And one of the things that I talked with Connor Newcomb about after that Orioles series, and one of the things that he was most impressed with uh, in the Rangers lineup is you know, you did have those back-to-back lefties hitting second and third, but they're both lefties who mash lefties really well. I mean, Corey Seager mashes everybody really well, and it's funny, because last year, uh, Nathaniel Lowe was absolutely incredible against lefties, and one of the reasons that the Rays were willing to give up on him, basically, in a sense. Not give up on him, but willing to trade him away is because they didn't think that he could hit lefties. And, and last year, when he won his silver slugger, he showed, I-, I can hit lefties, and I can hit the absolute crap out of him. Last year, in 211 periods, uh, played appearances against lefties. He had 10 home runs, a slash line of 330, 384, 536. That is a 920 OPS versus against righties, only an 817 OPS. <laughs> He was incredible against lefties last year. And this this year it hasn't quite been the case. He's still got a really high on base against lefties, but his reverse splits have reverted. He is hitting better against righties, an eight twenty-seven OPS against righties this year versus a seven ten OPS against lefties. A 349 on base and slugging just three sixty-two. So the home run power has not really been there against in general this year as as much as it was last year i think we might still see a second half tear for nathaniel Be as six of his eight home runs against righties this year and only two against lefties granted that's 214 plate appearances against righties versus 109 against lefties so even the if you even out the plate appearances it would still be a better number overall against those righties and he's also got 14 of his 18 doubles against righties versus just four against lefties so Moving Nathaniel Lowe down the order, it it might end up sticking for now. Nathaniel Lowe of the everyday regulars in this lineup of the, you know, A1, game one of a playoff series lineup, he has the lowest OPS of anybody that would be in that lineup, which is surprising. It's not really a knock on Nathaniel Lowe. It's more of a comment on how good the rest of this lineup has been. On the year, he's got a 788 OPS. The next closest is Jonah Heim at 792, just four points ahead of him. But his overall numbers have been fairly fairly good this year i mean if you look at some of the expected numbers the the expected woba in the 68th percentile expected batting average in the 73rd percentile he's walking in the top 20% of all of baseball same with his chase rate his whiff rate is in the top 30% of all of baseball he's not really striking out that much he's just not making nearly as much hard contact as last year one of the things that we noticed from him that i noticed from him his first year as an everyday player in the big leagues or at least with the rangers i should say is that he was he was really passive he had a lot of raw power his you know his max exit velocity was way way up there i mean his max exit velo in in seasons this year or in season his career 114.3 114.8 113.9 113 113, 110.8 this year I mean when he gets a hold of it that's a showing of, of how much raw power he's got and when he really gets a hold of one how far he can hit it and his first year in the big leagues with the Rangers, he had a really, really great walk rate. Very impressive in the top 10% of the league at 12.5%. Last year, he kind of sacrificed that for a little bit more power. The walk rate went down to 7.4%, which was a little below league average, but the power really, really showed up. 28 home runs, which was a career high for him last year. Uh, he really sold out for a little bit more power. This year, he has gotten much, much better at you know balancing that walk rate. I, mean, I still think leaning more towards what he did last year as opposed to going back to how I don't know I don't want to say passive because he, he hasn't really been passive he just hasn't quite stung the ball and his, his defense at first base has improved massively that's a that's a huge thing and I think a a really huge testament to the kind of player he is and how much he worked his butt off and he's been one of the best defensive first base in all of baseball and last year he was by far the worst like just honestly truly pretty terrible and this year he's been exceptional like I really trust his defense and the scoops that he's making over at first base he's had a 2.2 baseball reference war season so far on pace to be about a four four and a half win player which is fantastic would be the first first baseman the rangers to have done that I believe since Mark Teixeira and we talked about last year him being the best first baseman since Mark Teixeira and he's really taking another step towards that this year but Josh Young speaking of, of things Mark Teixeira has done he's he's the best Rangers he might just be the best Rangers first round draft pick since Mark Teixeira he might he might, he might surpass Joey. He might even get me to say that he's better than Joey Gallo, which, which would be really saying something because of my clear, uh, unabashed bias towards Joey Gallo, but the Rangers have not done well on first round draft picks in years past. And, and Josh Young is doing things that Rangers rookies have not done. No Ranger rookie has hit third in the order. No one has hit that high in the order. He might be the first rookie Rangers rookie to start an all-star game. I mean, it, It might be a little tough because Jose Ramirez is starting to figure it out, unfortunately, for Josh Young. I still think that Josh Young is deserving to start that All-Star game. and He had a big head start on the voting. He's got a higher... Fangraphs war than Matt Chapman. He's got a higher defensive rating than Matt Chapman according to Fangraphs metrics. That's incredible. That is a huge testament to what Josh Young is doing, but I'm really excited for Josh Young to continue this coming up in just a second. We're going we to talk about where this lineup should should stand, ideally what it means for Nathaniel Lowe, and if this is going to be the thing that finally gets Nathaniel Lowe going. And Also, we're going to look a little bit later at those power rankings. But first, this word from our sponsor. Game time is the best way to buy your tickets. Buying tickets shouldn't be to your favorite events. It shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy all your tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over all the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you're gonna have. Forget all the planning and months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, Concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% difference. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Stag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed shout out to the everydayers for making locked on rangers your first listen every single day on wednesday's show i'll be looking at how many rangers deserve to be all-stars the rangers take on the white Sox this week you can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on sirius xm just download the sxm app and search rangers now Texas got a pretty solid starting performance from Andrew Heaney in this one. It had been a rough month of June for him, but he finally sorted things out. He was absolutely cruising until he wasn't, which is kind of the story of Andrew Heaney. But he was very efficient with his pitches. Only 90 pitches to get through five and two-thirds innings. Just five hits allowed, zero walks, six strikeouts, and a pair of solo home runs that basically stopped his day in its tracks. It was a couple of pretty... Pretty loud home runs in in a day where the Rangers were just absolutely cruising through. And one from Andrew Vaughn and one from Robert, um, Luis Robert Jr., who had his uh, 18th home run of the season. He's been very good, as has Andrew Vaughn. But it didn't really matter. I mean, Andrew Heaney was really cruising in this one. He was using his fastball a lot more and a lot more effectively in this one. He threw 54 fastballs in this one. Um, The average velocity wasn't really wasn't really changing that much. The spin rate wasn't changing that much. It's just the fact that he was being aggressive early in the counts and throwing those in the strike zone, getting called strikes, eight called strikes for him on his four-seamer, and nine whiffs. Getting swings and misses with that four-seamer is kind of what sets up pretty much everything else in baseball. He's able to use his four-seamer very effectively high in the zone. He was able to do that a lot in this one, and uh, well, he did get burned by it occasionally. That's the thing with Andrew Heaney. You know he's going to get the swings and misses, um, but when someone makes contact with it. It's going to go a long way. This year, the strikeout rate and the walk rate have been significantly worse than they were last year with the Dodgers. I think him throwing his slider a lot less this year kind of has something to do with it. This year, he's throwing his fastball 58% of the time, slider 22% of the time, and changeup 19% of the time. Last year, he was throwing the fastball 62% of the time, the slider 32% of the time, and the changeup just 5% of the time. Changeup has been more effective this year, but last year, his strikeout rate was in the top 3% of all of baseball. His whiff rate and his chase rate, both of those were in the top 4% of baseball. The walk rate was in the top 22% of baseball. This year, that has changed significantly. His whiff rate is down to the 58th percentile, strikeout rate 59th percentile, chase rate 54th percentile, walk rate down to the 29th percentile. The spin rate on the fastball is still going very, very well for him. I mean, that's not going to change. That's still how he throws his pitches, Um, but it's been a little frustrated to see him regress so much after the great season he had last year. He has been healthier. He has had a few more blow-up starts, but when he is on his game, we have seen how effective Andrew Heaney can be. He was signed to be the number five starter in this rotation, so this is about what you expect from your five starter. Sometimes he's going to have some blow-up games, but he was pretty consistent early on in going at least five innings. He did have that really terrible first start against Baltimore two and two-thirds innings, seven runs, but then he had a stretch of six out of 7 games where he pitched at least 5 innings that was starting april 10th his second start all the way ago that was against the royals all the way until the end of may when he went 7 innings of one run ball against baltimore really really effective stuff for him in that one but then his last 3 starts had been pretty bad honestly against seattle he went just three innings when the rangers spotted him a bazillion runs against tampa bay he did go five innings allow only three earned runs which was his best start in june until this one then against the angels he only went three and two-thirds innings only allowed one run but still you would have liked to see a lot more length out of him especially given that the rangers are on such a long stretch where they've asked a lot of their bullpen and, and Heaney not being able to go at least five innings. If you get five innings out of him, solid fine. That's about what you're expecting because, again, he's not super economical with his pitch count. This one, I, I thought he might end up going seven with, with how well he was cruising after that first inning. He allowed a couple of base runners in the first. The Rangers spotted him a one nothing lead in the top of the first. I thought, okay, Heaney, there you go. You spotted a little bit of a lead. You can go be more aggressive against this White Sox team that has been scuffling as of late. I mean, They played against the Mariners this past weekend. And in a start where where Andrew Heaney, not Andrew Heaney, um, Lance Lynn got 16 strikeouts. He also was handed the loss. That's the kind of state that this White Sox offense has been in. But he allowed a couple of base runners early on. And I thought, oh, my God, here we go again with Andrew Heaney. It took him, I believe. 18 or so pitches to get out of that first inning he did get out of it without allowing any runs i thought okay all right now you can start to go on a little bit of a run and he did start to cruise five and two-thirds innings for him. this one six strikeouts like i said earlier no walks one hit batter but those two home runs really kind of stopped him in his tracks they were not cheapies either they were absolutely mashed the rangers had to stall really quickly to, to get somebody up in the pen brock burke came in and he was very effective in his work he got four outs faced uh I believe he, he averaged less than fewer than two pitches per batter he faced so many of the guys were putting the ball in play early Um for um, six batters that he faced and he only threw 11 pitches which is just kind of bonkers that he was able to get up and get into the game so quickly when things just went off the rails very very quickly for Haney but still even with those two home runs that were given up, it was still a one-run game. He did still have the lead, didn't give up the lead. Um, got his first win in over a month, which I don't normally care about pitcher wins, but apparently pitchers do, so maybe it's worth mentioning. Still, nice stuff for him to get back on the bounce, get him, get himself confident and just start using that fastball more effectively. It sets up literally everything for him. So, I mean, if, if Andrew Heaney can be on his game, you know, three out of five starts at least give you five innings even his blow-up starts just give you at least three innings he would you would really hope he could give you at least three innings but um yeah he's a number five starter for a reason i still i think i would trust him to start a game four in a playoffs if it's if it's right now the playoff rotation would go You know, Nathan Yavaldi, then John Gray, then it becomes a question mark. I mean, you really only have four starters in the playoffs. I don't know if I'd put Andrew Heaney in there right now. I mean, with the way Dane Dunning's throwing, I think he might be the number three, and then Martin Perez is your number four. Then you throw Heaney in the pen, have him be absolutely nasty coming in in relief for, you know, if he, if you need a mop up man, then, then he's your guy. And I think that I would trust him to do that. But I think I might trust him a little bit more than, um, well, I don't know, maybe maybe Dang Dunning goes back in the pen you have two lefties in your rotation, but that That starts to ask a a little bit more questions, but I'm glad to see him getting back on track. I was a little worried. His season ERA is down under 4, which is about where you would hope it would be. If you have 5 starters in your rotation that have an ERA under 4, then you have a really, really good rotation. The Raiders don't have that as of right now. Martin Perez's ERA is at 4.5, but still having 4 of your 5 starters with an ERA under 4 and 2 of them, actually 3 of them with an ERA under 3 is a really good spot for your rotation to be. But this bullpen Again came up huge. Brock Burke came in and was got ready in a freaking hurry and was able to be very effective in his against the six batters that he faced. Josh Spores came in for an inning of work, and even though the bases were loaded with one out in the eighth inning and the Rangers only had a three-run lead. I was not worried at all. I think that's a huge testament to how good Josh Spores has been this year. The bases were loaded, and he gets two huge strikeouts in this one and just was absolutely in control. He got Grandall and he also got Jake Berger. I am really hoping – I forgot who, who it was that mentioned it. I think it might have been Kennedy Landry on Twitter. i um, hoping that we get to see – John King versus Jake Berger, the Burger King matchup in this one. Although their names, I think, would be, um, depending on how they arrange it on the broadcast, it, it might be King Burger as opposed to Burger King. Um, just those fun little pitcher batting matchups. But Josh Spores has just been so incredibly effective and so trustworthy. And then Will Smith, despite allowing a couple of base runners, uh, a hit and a walk, he was absolutely nails, got his 13th save out of the season. And I completely trust him in all situations. Both of those guys, I trust completely. Brock Burke is back on my list of trust. Pretty much everyone in this Rangers bullpen, outside of Jose Leclerc, who I still trust in certain situations, but this bullpen has become an absolute strength for the Rangers. And, you know, if, if the Rangers do still keep getting length out of their guys, if, if he needs still able to consistently give you five innings or five plus innings and everybody else in the rotation is giving you five to six innings, then then the Rangers won't have to burn out their bullpen like they did last year. They're in the midst of a stretch of 30 games in 31 days. They will finally have their only off day in that stretch leading up to the All-Star break on Thursday. The Rangers are going to really need it. And hopefully the Rangers can get some length out of their starters the rest of this way um, because they they are set up to be in a really, really good place. Coming up, we're going to look at the latest Powell rankings, where the Rangers stack up in their playoff odds, and what the playoffs would look like if they started today. But first, this word from our sponsors. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every day. On Thursday's show, I'll wrap up this series against Chicago. The Rangers take on the White Sox this week. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the latest Power Rankings came out, and the Rangers were, I believe, as high as they have been. My fellow Locked On hosts and myself voted on these Power Rankings. If you are watching on YouTube, this is where you will start to see them. If you are not, then you can go check out my Twitter, and that's where they will be. But if you are listening to this... um, We'll just go through the top 10 real quickly. Uh, We got the Rays number one, Braves number two, Rangers number three, Orioles at four, Diamondbacks at five, Dodgers at six, Yankees at seven, Astros at eight, Marlins at nine, uh, Blue Jays at 10. Men just missing the cut for that top 10. Yeah, the Angels at 11, Giants at 12, Pirates at 13, and uh, gotta go all the way down to 20 to find those Mariners, who everyone thought were going to be much better than the Rangers. And also look at the Mets, who just beat down the Astros, who are on hey, a pretty significant losing streak as of right now. They have lost their last. Uh, where do we go? Um— hold on, I just, I just had it. They've lost their last five in a row, the Astros, that is, um, and the Rangers are on a three-game winning streak. So the Astros are six and a half games back in the division. The Angels are five games back. The Angels have been very hot. By the way, the call for these rankings came out um, significantly before, like about a, about a week ago. Um, so um, the Angels tear and the Giants tear, um, those hadn't really happened yet. So I, if you want to extend some grace for us for disrespecting the Angels and Giants, who I, I still don't really know what to make of the Giants. Um, I might have had the Astros a little bit lower. I'm actually pretty sure I did have the Astros a little bit lower um, than 8. Maybe I had them at 9 or, or 10. But still, with their their current losing streak, they got absolutely beat down by Max Scherzer and um, and the Mets, and they just got swept at home by the Cincinnati Reds, who are also surging there at 17 and on a 9-game winning streak. I think this happened maybe... With we, I voted, at least I voted, with like three games into that Reds winning streak that I wasn't paying attention to because it was the Reds, and they also got Joey Votto back, so they're, they're in a good way, and they're um, probably going to be much higher in the next power rankings, but still uh, kind of fun to see that, you know, maybe Jacob deGrom did want to sign with a team better than the Mets, and ooh, sorry, Mets fans, if you're listening. You're probably not listening because I didn't put Jacob deGrom in the title of this video, so you didn't just go search it just to go say mean things about Jacob deGrom, but the Rangers at third... It, it feels about right. I had them at second in my power rankings because at that point, the Rangers had the second best record in Major League Baseball. They still have the best run differential, and it's 51 runs better than the Atlanta Braves. Right now, the Rangers are at plus 151 in terms of their run differential, which is eight runs better than the Rays. And again, 51 runs better than the Braves. Plus 151 is just absolutely bonkers. It's 72 games into the season. They're basically averaging three runs better than their opponent per game over the course of the season. Like that's, that's just bonkers of how good this team has been. And I, I really trust it, and the playoff odds are are really in their favor at this point. I mean, Baseball Reference really, really likes the Rangers a lot more than Fangraphs does. I'm not sure why Fangraphs is. I think Fangraphs might uh, kind of hold to their preseason predictions a little bit better, or a little bit more more strongly, less less apt to change than Baseball References. But right now, according to Baseball Reference, Texas Rangers have a 96.5 percent chance to make the playoffs. That is. Fantastic, And the third best chances in all of baseball. The Rays have a 99.7% chance to make the postseason. The Braves have a 99.6% chance to make the postseason. Rangers also had the third best World Series odds, according to baseball reference. There's the Rays at 21%, then there's the Braves at 18.3%, and then there's the Rangers at 14.9%. They also have a uh, chance of winning their division uh, 79.5% chance to win their division. The Astros are all the way down to 14.6% chance to win the AL West. That is a really, really good place to be. The average projection for um, baseball reference, their average model has, has the Rangers with 96 wins, which would be a franchise high. The 90th percentile best case scenario they say rangers getting 104 wins the 90th percentile worst case scenario is 88 wins which is still really freaking good and that would take an absolutely disastrous collapse by the rangers but this is a team in a really great spot fangrass is a little bit more uh, i don't know reserved i should say about about the Rangers' chances to win the World Series, they have a 6.4% chance to win the World Series, according to Fangraphs, which is, I believe, fifth last time I checked. Um, yeah, the Braves have a 20.9% chance to win the World Series, which is you know, 6% better than the Rays, which is kind of wild to me. The Dodgers have better odds than the Rangers to win the World Series at 9.2%, even though they're third in the wildcard chase and third in their division, and also the Padres, who are fourth the division, and I don't even think they're fourth in the wildcard chase, the Padres have a 6.3% chance to win the World Series, which actually, that is below the Rangers. Okay, so the Rangers are 0.1% now better chances to win the World Series than the Padres, but this Fangraphs model also has a 82.7% chance to make the playoffs and a 55.6% chance to clinch a bye. Now, in case you don't remember how the first round works of the playoffs or just the playoffs in general, how they work, I, I had to look it up the other day to remind myself, uh, how the, um, how the new playoff, system works because the Rangers haven't been in it. So I haven't really concerned myself with it. I just thought, okay, I'll, I'll watch the teams that are in it and then we'll figure out that from there. But in case you forgot the first two teams in the American league and the national league, they get a bye in that first round. So if you win your division and you have either the best or second best record among division winners, then you get a bye in the first round. Now that is probably going to be the Rangers or whoever wins the AL West and whoever wins the AL East barring Some kind of insane run by someone in the AL Central, probably the Twins. Um, I I don't think that that's going to happen. So the Rangers will probably um, be the number two seed um, in the American League. I don't foresee them passing the Rays or whoever wins the AL East, which is almost certainly going to be the Rays at this point. So the Rangers will face the winner of the Third, the third division winner versus the worst wild card in a five-game ALDS series. Those first-round matchups will be the two wild card teams, and then the worst division winner versus the worst wild card in that three-game wild card series. So the Rangers won't have to worry about that. They'll be able to set their rotation for a five-game series and move on to that ALDS without having to worry about that pesky three-game series, assuming that. You know they win the division and they um, don't have to worry about um, that that wild card chase. Which I think at this point I, f- I feel fairly confident saying that the Rangers are going to win the AOS. So at this point, what that would look like is uh, the Rangers facing whoever the the Twins would be facing off against um, the worst wild card. Which right now I believe. Last time I checked, it was the Astros. But after that loss last night, I believe that the third wild card would be yes, it would be the Yankees. So a three-game series between the Yankees and the Twins. I know that the Twins would uh, feel pretty, pretty spurned about that. about how many times they've lost to the Yankees consecutively in the playoffs? I mean, they haven't won a playoff game, I believe, since the 1900s, um, which is just absolutely baffling. Maybe this is the year that they do it. They have the pitching to do it and if Aaron Judge is out, we've seen how bad the Yankees can look with Aaron Judge out. The Rangers are going to get a little bit of a look at the Yankees. I believe this weekend is when they face off against New York in the Bronx. So, <clears throat> the Rangers right now in the in the first in the ALDS would face off against whoever won between the Yankees and the Minnesota Twins. That's a series that I feel very confident in the Rangers taking and then they would head to the ALCS for the first time since 2011. They would face off against whoever's left from the other side of the bracket, which would probably be the Rays, or maybe it would be the Astros, or maybe it would be the Baltimore Orioles. We don't know, but that is a favorable matchup for the Rangers. I'm honestly thinking that the number two seed might be it might be the place to be. Um, having to face off against the twins or whoever the worst wild card is is feels like a more favorable matchup than facing off against the top two whoever wins in the top two wild cards. That feels like a much better place to be in um, for me than on the other side of that bracket. Because right now the Rays would have to face the winner between the Baltimore Orioles or the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, who are currently in a playoff spot. Good for them getting that run and um, hopefully the Rangers don't have to see Shohei Otani and Mike Trout in a playoff series because we've seen what Shohei Otani can do. He can just completely take, a ser- take over a series as he did in Arlington against the Rangers. But Man, I'm feeling really good about these Rangers playoff odds. It's June. I'm already looking ahead to the playoffs because the Rangers are just in that good of a spot. They're on a three-game winning streak. They have a five-game lead in the division. and Everything feels like it's breaking right for the Texas Rangers. That's going to do it for today's show. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy first-place Texas Rangers baseball.